You're listening to a sermon podcast from Sovereign Grace Church in Bradford, Ontario. For more info, visit sovgracechurch.ca. Here's a thought, a simple thought to consider. The more mature a Christian is, the more thankful they become. The more immature a Christian is, the more discontent they become. I'd like to spend the next 30 to 40 minutes with you proving that this is true. And I'm hoping and praying that today you will purpose in your heart to become a grateful person by the grace of God. One of the stated purposes of our church's mission statement is that we are people who reveal Christ. We are awed by God, revealing Christ, and expecting the Spirit. We reveal Christ. Well, few things reveal Christ more compellingly than a grateful heart. Few things reveal Christ more compellingly than a grateful heart. If we are to get a whole bunch of grateful followers of Christ together in one place, you end up with a church that powerfully reveals Christ to others. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I have two points to my message. Spiritual maturity is a process energized by Christ, and spiritual maturity is a practice exemplified by gratitude. Very simple. So let's read our text together. Uh, Part of it was read earlier, but I'm just going to be focusing on two verses in Colossians. By the way, these two verses, all the commentators on Colossians say that these two verses are the summary statement of the entire book of Colossians. They are the critical vortex of the book of Colossians. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received... Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding, abounding, abounding in thanksgiving. So, point number one, spiritual maturity is a process energized by Christ. Spiritual maturity is a process energized by Christ. Notice, In verse 6, that it begins with the word therefore, or in the NIV, if you have it, so then. Uh, What it's saying is that because of what has been said about Christ up to that point in the letter, uh, let's live in light of those facts. Well, what exactly has been said about Christ so far in the book of Colossians? Well, it was read to us earlier in the service. A lot has been said. It's been said that he is the image of the invisible God. It has been said that all things were created by him and for him. It's been said that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Uh, if you've put your faith in Christ, when you, this is who you have put your faith in. Uh, no ordinary man, this one. The, the whole universe was created by Christ and for Christ. Uh, Whether you know it or not, you exist for him. 
My friends, this is an astounding reality. The emphasis in verse 6, Colossians 2 verse 6, is on the absolute lordship of Christ. You did not receive Jesus as one religious choice among many, but you have tethered yourself when you believe in Christ. You've tethered yourself to the the living and true God. And now let me show you what's something even more amazing than this. After you find this astonishing fact about Christ, it tells us in Colossians 1.27, if you have your Bibles, this would help to see this, but I think it'll, it'll be up on the, yes it is, it's up on the PowerPoint. Uh, listen to what it says now. This, this, this glorious God-man, God chose to make known this mystery, which is Christ in you. I was reading this verse today in my Japanese Bible, and I was reminded that the word you there is, is in the plural, not in the singular, you all. Really, it's talking about the church. God chose to make known this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This this mighty king indwells each true believer and and indwells the church. This is an astonishing truth. And so, verse 6 is telling us that, that, that we need to, therefore, as we've received Christ the Lord this one. Let's walk in him. Let's continue to live in him. Well, how exactly does one do that? How do we, how do we live? How is it even possible to live in light of the fact that the God of the universe has taken up residence in our hearts? Well, look carefully at verse 6 and 7. Notice that there's a little phrase there, in him. It appears in verse 6, and it appears in verse 7. That's that's a little phrase that's easy to miss because it's sprinkled all the way through the New Testament. Uh, But it's so very important that we don't miss this. Notice again, and and, and compare these. If you've got your Bibles, you can see this this comparison. In in Colossians 1.27, it describes our relationship to Christ as Christ in you, Christ in you. But in these verses, it describes your relationship with Christ as you are in him. He's in you, but you are in him. The closest reality in our lives that pictures this is the sexual union that exists between a husband and wife. Uh, that, That union is sacred and it's holy because the Bible tells us it, it pictures the relationship, that deep, close intimacy uh, that God has with his people. This is an astonishing picture. And listen to these verses from Ephesians 5. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two, two, shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You see that? 
This is why faithfulness and intimacy in marriage is so important, because what goes on in the bedroom points to something so much greater. So, when we are told in verse 6 to live in the light of the fact that Jesus is Lord, we're not left to try to figure this out on our own. God has joined himself to us in a very deep personal relationship to help us live for him. And then we get to verse 7, which further explains how this all works. And and let me tell you, there is a ton of truth packed into verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. One of the things I've always found very interesting as I read my Bible is uh, looking at verses and, and asking this question, what would you expect to find here and what do you find here? And it's often in the thing that you don't expect that a key truth is found. Well, what we'd expect Paul to do here is to use a metaphor or analogy that's kind of the same. So, for example, I would expect him to say something like, uh, Christians are rooted and growing and bearing fruit, which would be an appropriate tree metaphor. Or, uh, Christians are grounded on a foundation, joined together slowly and built up into an edifice, which would be a construction metaphor. But Paul combines these metaphors in verse 7. You're rooted and built up in him. Why, Why does Paul do that? I think he's doing something very intentional to teach us something about how Christians grow strong. So let's think about rooted in him first. When, when, when Paul tells us that our growth in Christ depends on being rooted in Christ, I think he's emphasizing what is hidden, as roots are hidden, and, and what supports the whole as roots support the whole tree, and what humans' hands have nothing to do with, because roots grow without uh, any human involvement. There's no pumping or cranking or electrical cord you plug roots into to make them happen. And in this analogy, Christ is the soil. We're the root. We're rooted in him. So he's the soil that we're rooted in. The soil, uh, many of you who are farmers and and grow things uh, on this call, you know a great deal more about this than I do, but the soil provides the nourishment for the plant. It provides the minerals, the water, and so many other factors that feed the growth of what is planted in it. Our growth, my friends, I know we know this, but let's be reminded of this. Our growth, my friends, does not depend primarily on us. Uh, Our growth in Christ is not primarily up to us. Yes, we are commanded to walk in Him. That's that's a command in verse 6. And so we are responsible for our growth too. But everything we need comes from Christ. 
Uh, it's interesting that the word rooted in the, in, the, in the original language is in a grammatical form that emphasizes the, that we are rooted in Christ and can't be unrooted uh, or pulled up. Uh, we're secure in him forever. When we're rooted in him, we stay rooted in him. But then Paul switches the metaphor to a building analogy, and I think he does that to teach us something else. We are not just rooted in him, but we are also built up in him. Uh, many of you on this call also are builders. And, and you know that buildings are not built haphazardly. Uh, they are typically built using a blueprint. Uh, there, there tends to be a sequence to the way buildings are put together. My friends, it's the same in the spiritual life. There, there are some areas of, of Christian maturity and growth that are dependent on things before them. You can't have the, the late, latter parts of the alphabet until you have the ABCs first. Uh, for example, if, if, if you don't have a meaningful time in the Word and prayer daily, it's, it's unlikely that you'll be able to deal with your anger problem or the lust that ravages your mind. But, but I think there's something else that Paul is trying to teach us through this building analogy. You know, buildings are not like uh, ordering toasters, where, which you take out of the box and they're already made. They're, they're not like b buying a car where you just drive it off the lot. You don't, you don't order from Amazon uh, a building and, and have them deliver a, a great big Amazon box that's, that's 25 feet long and, and 45 feet high and 66 feet long and opening up the box and there's the building, there's your house. That's not how it works. Buildings are put together piece by piece. They're, they're, they're fitted together. Scripture says the whole body joined and held together by every joint makes the body grow as it builds itself up in love. I mean, this... This is a description of the church. Um, we've said this before, but let me say it again, that the church is not just a preaching, teaching center. As important as that is, if we didn't believe in that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. But, but friends, uh, church is more than that. Uh, we grow by being fitted to other believers. We've already talked about that earlier in the service. We, we, we grow by being connected and, and being built together with other believers in Christ. This means that we intentionally deepen relationships by spending time with, with each other. Um, listen, as much as I'd love it, I can't be close, closely connected to all of you, even though we're a relatively small church. But I have to be connected to some of you. Everybody here who's part of the church, if you want to grow, you have to be spiritually connected to some. Because you can't grow just by yourself. Some believers hardly grow at all over many, many years. They, they regularly are part of a church, but they hardly, their, their, their actual change in their life, habits, outlook on life, everything, hardly changes at all over many years because this, this thing that I'm talking about right now, right now is absent in their lives. Church for them is mostly something that you attend. It's not something that you are part of relationally. 
Listen to these verses that I know most of you know well, but let me just remind you of them. The, the one and others of Scripture, and I just actually took about a quarter of them. Love one another with brotherly affection. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be kind to one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. You know, teaching doesn't just come from the pastors. It comes from each other. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Confess your sins to one another. That's something I think that we often forget. And this isn't just confessing your sins to God. Oh yeah, that's the big one. But we also are, are to confess our sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. My friends, here's, here's the point of what I'm trying to show you from this text. It's, it's impossible to become a mature believer without having relationships in the church that are spiritual in nature. It's wonderful that you get together and you go uh, and you do stuff together. You go fishing together or the, the girls get together and they talk about their recipes. Oh, that's all great. You're building relationally. But, but you have to do something more than that. There has to be relationships that are spiritual in nature. What, what would you think about a family where everybody in the family got together for one meal a week and that's all? What conclusion would you come to? Would you come to the conclusion that they're a happy family? Uh, would, you, would you come to the conclusion that they're a close family, a family that you want to imitate? In the same way, just simply attending a, a meeting of the church once a week without uh, developing spiritually edifying relationships is, is like a family that eats together once a week but, but hardly ever talks you'd know that that would be a broken family. Well, it's a broken church too. This, this being rooted and, and built in Christ, and it says in verse 7, uh, leads to being established in the faith. And, and that word faith uh, talks about not just my faith, it's, it's the faith. It's, it's believing with conviction all the truths, the, 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 the creedal confessions and practices that have been accepted by Orthodox believers through the ages. Verse 7 says, That's how believers live in a way that shows that Jesus is Lord of their life. And it's interesting, the verse, the, the, the word rooted and built up and established in the original language are all in the passive. They're all emphasizing that, yes, we are walking in Him, but they're emphasizing the activity of God. The activity of God is emphasized in rooted, built up, and established. But then you get to the end. Abounding in thanksgiving. And all of a sudden the, the, the Greek grammar changes and it becomes active tense. And it's interesting, this is like a little summary statement in the sense of the Christian life. 
And here's this great big exclamation point at the end. And what Paul emphasizes is surprisingly thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving, or as the NIV says, overflowing with thankfulness. So yes, spiritual maturity is a process that is energized by Christ. We do it in Him. But spiritual maturity is a practice exemplified by gratitude. Uh, If there is one thing that is to be continuous in our lives, it is to be grateful. It is the appropriate response to to having been given so much in Christ. Uh, Thankfulness is to mark our lives every day, all the time. Listen to this great quote. By, by one of the commentators on Colossians. He says this, Paul frequently employed thankfulness as one of the litmus tests of Christian health. He assumed that Christians would live in an attitude of thankfulness for the many blessings bestowed upon them. By contrast, one of the first indicators of departure from God is a lack of thanksgiving. Listen to these verses that you know. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in them. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Then earlier on in Colossians, Paul says this, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Do you always thank God when you pray for people? Paul did. My friends, over time, I have recognized and realized that gratitude is a massive theme of Scripture. There's so much that could be said about this topic. It's, it, it is a, a very large theme in the Bible. But I want to highlight just one aspect of gratitude that you might not have considered before. So, the general, the general application of our message today is be grateful all the time, in every circumstance. But the specific application of gratitude that I want to introduce you to is using gratitude to quench sin. Using gratitude to quench sin. I'd like to give you a single scripture. This, is a, this comes out in a lot of scriptures. We just don't have time. But I'd like to give you a single scripture to think about, and then I'd like to open it up a little bit. The scripture is found in Ephesians 5, 3 to 4. And this is what it says. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, instead, let there be thanksgiving. 
Interesting. In these verses, thanksgiving is presented as the antidote to sexual sin. The antidote to the desire, to the language, speaking about it, and the acting out of sexual sin. Gratitude is presented as the antidote. So the question is, well, how does this work? Why is thanksgiving given that kind of power? How does it work in quenching sexual sin? Well, I think in order to get the answer to this, we have to go back to the beginning of the Bible, back to Genesis in the garden with Adam and Eve. And I think the answer is given there. If you don't have this, I think, I think the verses that we're going to look at are on the PowerPoint. But let me ask you a question. Do you remember what God commanded Adam and Eve about regarding the trees in the garden? If I were to ask you, what did God command Adam and Eve regarding the trees in the garden? What would you say? Well, if you're like most people, you will remember this verse. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's what most people remember about God's command to Adam and Eve in the garden. But did you know that that's only half of the command? Here's the other half of the command that most people are not even aware exists. The Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You see, what we remember is the one thing that was denied. We forget the hundreds, perhaps thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of trees and its fruit that were permitted by God. The, the truth is that this command, in this command, God was being profoundly generous, not stingy. Now, if you look at Genesis 3.1, where we encounter the temptation of the serpent to Adam and Eve, this is what is said. The serpent said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? My friends, this is the classic temptation that works about on just about all of us. The bounty and generosity and goodness of God is not even acknowledged or expressed. Doubt is injected, a twisting of the command to make it a total prohibition, a focus on what is denied and obscuring all that is given in generous abundance. You see, Adam and Eve forgot to be thankful for all the trees that they had that were given a gift. They didn't earn it, a gift by God. And in that forgetting, they became fixated on the one thing that was denied them that they couldn't have, that was outside the boundary. If they had been grateful for all those trees and all that fruit in the garden that had been available to them, they would not have obsessed over the one thing that was denied them. That's, my friend, my friends, how 
thankfulness quenches lust and sexual sin. Frankly, that's how it quenches all sin. When, when, when you are aware of all the good that God has given you, you won't be obsessed with the failures of your passive husband or the 25 pounds your wife has put on since the wedding day or that annoying habit that that particular person in your family does that so bothers you. Gratitude, when expressed, prevents us from breaking boundaries. This is huge. Gratitude, when expressed and, and held and expressed to God and other people, it prevents us from breaking boundaries and plunging ourselves into destructive patterns of thinking and emotions and behavior. So, my friends... Let's express gratitude. <laughs> Let's be grateful. Let's pay attention to all the good that God has given us in our lives. Let's express gratitude in our prayers. Let's express gratitude in our conversations when we're talking about the world around us. Let's take time to thank others like our family members, our, our spouses, our friends. Let's, let's abound in thanksgiving. Let, let thanksgiving be the mark of our church. Let's, let us not be a group of whiners and complainers. Let us be the grateful ones. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. So Father, I, I pray that you will give us eyes as a church to see uh, how much good you have given us, Lord. Uh, I think the, uh, that which feeds gratitude is 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 a seeing of your goodness, an acknowledgement of your goodness, um, seeing what we have received, and responding appropriately to it. Oh Lord, give us eyes to see the the ways that you have served and loved us and cared for us every day, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. Oh, Lord, we, we are surrounded by your bounty. Lord, even in this pandemic, I don't think anybody on this call has no food in their pantry. Um, no, we, we've, there's vast parts of the world that, that they're wondering whether they're going to be able to live because they've got no money and no food, but we're, we're, we are surrounded by plenty. Oh, Lord, how could we complain? We live at the, the top of the world. Lord, we, we want to we wanna acknowledge that you have been exceedingly good and kind to us. We want to hold on to that. We want to, we want to take that through every element of our life that an all circumstances that we would give thanks to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.